When it comes to luxury living, there's no shortage of it in New York City. From penthouses with panoramic views of Manhattan to townhouses with historic architectural elements, the city has a plethora of draw-dropping properties to call home. That is, if you have the bank account to match. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. On today's show, we're getting an insider's view of New York City's luxury real estate market. Make that two insider views. Augusto Bittencourt and Jared Barnett are real estate agents in Manhattan. I caught up with them at one of their high-end listings on Fifth Avenue. My name is Augusto Bittencourt. I'm a real estate agent in Manhattan. And my name is Jared Barnett. I'm also a real estate agent in Manhattan. And Augusto and I are partners. We're the Barnett Bittencourt team. How long have you two been selling real estate in Manhattan? So I began selling real estate in 2009. Um, I've been with three different companies. I started off at Douglas Elliman, where I was on a team. And then I moved to Town Residential, where I worked from 2012 to 2018, actually, this year. And now um, Augusto and I just recently joined Compass. So Augusto, how did you team up with this guy? Uh, Well, I've known Jared for many, many years. Uh, We actually had some other type of businesses together, nothing relevant. And then somehow real estate just made sense because I had a, you know, a a vast clientele, like a big network of people that were buying uh, in New York a lot. I am originally from Brazil, so I have a lot of international clients. And I started like referring to Jared. Some people was like, oh, you know, I like that. And I always liked real estate. So I guess that was just, you know, was sort of improvised you know we didn't really plan on it and it's working really really well we're very happy with the results and we just see uh, like our team growing growing each time more it's very exciting now you both have interesting backgrounds that did not start in real estate augusto you again you said you're from brazil you were actually a performer correct an actor a singer yes yes correct so i am an i you know i'm an actor still i think i will always be uh, but I grew up on TV since I was a child. I've been in many Brazilian soap operas, theater, uh, you know, solo artist, I'm a songwriter as well, singer-songwriter. And then I moved to New York back in 2006 to be in an off-Broadway show. Uh, I, was, I was playing one of the leads in the show, and I just booked another job after, and, you know, and then I never went back to Brazil. Uh, and, and I've been doing this for, like, over 25 years uh, as an actor. And then, you know, the industry, it's a little, it's a little bit of a struggle because sometimes you hit like, a, like the top of it and then next year in the bottom and then up and down and up and down. And after 25 years of that, I sort of like, okay, I need something that's more stable, but maybe perhaps I can still do some acting if there, if there's a right project. You know, so when I started real estate with Jared, it just, I just been so very, so busy that every time there's something, I tell my agent, say, "Sorry, I can't. Sorry, I can't." But eventually, I'll, I do something. You know, it's like a smaller project with a good pay and a good crew and directors and actors. So yeah, yeah. And Jared, you have a background in fashion design. I do. Yeah, my my background isn't as exciting as Guto in the soap opera world and modeling world. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I come from a background. I went to Penn State University, and I graduated. I moved out to L.A., um, where I did get into the high-end fashion world. You know, I worked for some top luxury brands like Armani and Todd's and Prada. 
And I worked in that industry for, you know, about five years, you know, knowing that I wanted to get eventually into real estate. And it was sort of a good job for me to have prior to real estate because, you know, it exposes you to that luxury sort of clientele and product. And, you know, I was able to make a nice transition from that into real estate. So, though, what inspired that move to real estate? Obviously, very different industries. Well, real, I mean, real estate is always something that, you know, excited me. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an exciting job, and, and especially in New York City. You know, I mean, we have some of the most amazing architecture and, and buildings and, and, and just apartments here in the city. And so it was always something that was very exciting. You know, you, you read the magazines and you see, you know, the TV shows. It was always something that thrilled me, and so it was something that I wanted to move into. You guys work in the high-end market. How different is it? Um, well, yeah. I mean, listen, it's, uh, it's New York City, and, you know, it, it, always, it always shocks me. I know we have friends that work in real estate, you know, throughout the country, and, you know, there, you know, you can buy a, a whole house for $800,000, and it's a big house. You know, here you're, you know, you're almost lucky to find a studio, you know, for that price. And so, again, I mean, being able to just show these properties that, you know, most people maybe only see on TV, you know, and this is what we get to show um, on a daily basis. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Augusto, how would you describe the New York City market, the real estate market? I think definitely uh, New York uh, properties, they're smaller, but I think they, they have smarter layouts uh, and people do like, you know, because there's a lot of money also invested uh, I think you see like beautiful results, uh, and of course, I think a big part of the real estate and any property is it's where it's located. You're not only buying uh, a three million dollar apartment or four or five. You, your apartment is actually in a city where you have the best museum in the world, where Picasso next door. You have a Broadway show next door with the A-list celebrity. You have the transportation. You have the best restaurant. So it's a combo. And sometimes people don't understand why, you know, you're not only paying for square footage, you're pay, paying for where you are and where you're living for a lifestyle, you know. What are people looking for who are in the market for million-dollar-plus apartments? Well, you know, every, everybody always wants, you know, what's above their budget. But I think you could probably say that for, you know, anybody looking for real estate throughout the country. But, um, you know, for the most part, you know, there's, there's a lot of buildings in New York City. And there's a lot of new construction, you know, in New York City. And buyers today, they have options. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to be selling a product, you know, particularly if you're a developer developing up a new development, you know, and aiming to bring in all new buyers to sell out a building, you know, buyers today are looking for high-quality finishes. They're looking for amenities. And, you know, more and more now today, um, we're seeing buildings um, being, being finished with pools, you know, uh, multiple outdoor spaces, lounge areas, golf simulators, basketball courts. So these are some of the things, you know, VIP concierge services for all, you know, for all their residents. So, you know, people today have a little bit higher standards of what they're expecting. And we're even seeing some of the older buildings um, that maybe were built in the mid-century sort of playing catch-up, you know, because maybe they didn't have these amenities when they were built. But we're just seeing now that, you know, they're starting to add these because they're seeing what their competition, some of these newer buildings are, are coming out with. So what does that mean, adding gyms, things like yeah, that? Yeah, like, 
like you know this building for example it's a post-war building and you know they have a very large basement where pretty much it was a laundry room so now there's a bike room there's a office room where it can go there for conferences and meetings uh there's a gym in the building so they start adding everything because the new development next door has even more they have a pool that which it's hard to include right and like uh it's so common to see now like movie theaters like 20 seats you just go there i didn't even think people use them you know perhaps maybe the kids but yeah it's it's crazy and and people ask you that oh is there this in the building like the other day there's literally like in this building here where we are 11 fifth avenue uh there's a like a, a day care for children and people keep asking are they going to do to have in the building like a kids playroom i was like okay is that a deal breaker because you know they're expecting everything now whether or not they're going to use it as you said yeah they just want it you know it's just like because they know that they can get this elsewhere right as you mentioned, we are at 11 Fifth Avenue in a yeah. wonderful apartment. This is one of your apartments that is mm-hmm. up for sale. Correct, yeah. So thank you for joining us today in one of our listings. Uh, yeah, we're at 11 Fifth Avenue, um, which is at the corner of 11th, uh, sorry, Fifth Avenue and 8th Street. And this apartment is 17C. It's an apartment we currently have on the market. It's a two-bed, two-bath um, with a large private terrace. Um, it's a co-op, so we actually don't quote square feet. Um, that's something unique to co-ops. Um, I would say it's approximately 1,400 square feet. Um, but the owner completed a gorgeous renovation. Um, he reconfigured the space and had everything custom done. And so it, it's a beautiful space. What would you say are the biggest selling points in this apartment, Augusto? Well, for me, definitely, it's the outdoor space. That's something that every New Yorker, I think, wants. So it's a great thing to have. And also the renovations he did here. Like we were saying, you can buy a house somewhere for 800000 That's how much he put in the apartment, renovating the bathrooms and the kitchen and everything. So it is a very, very nice apartment. How would you describe your selling style? I guess... I I really don't like this word selling because that's not, you know, perhaps this is what I do. But I try to just communicate with my clients and literally I I be as honest, you know, as I can. You know, and I, I tell them everything. I think this is great. I don't think this is great. And if they say, listen, I love it. And then, you know, I just don't say anything anymore. Like a friend of mine, uh, a client of mine, he bought an apartment in a building where I told him not to because of who the owner was. I'm not going to say the name. I, I guess the guys probably know what I'm talking about. And there's like, I, I wouldn't recommend you buying there just because the prices are dropping, you know, because of the circumstances this moment. And it's like, oh, I don't care. So then he did it. And apartments in the building now are taking two years to sell. This one, you know, apartment like that sells in 30 days. So you have to, you know, be honest with your clients and tell them because once it happens in the future, you know, something they go, oh, he didn't tell me. You know, another client just bought a place where nobody told him that, you know, the, the big like wow factor of his apartment was the view. You could see like 360 Manhattan. And now there's buildings being built all over. He lost all the view. And he said, my broker, when I bought it, never told me that these buildings were not landmark. He told me it was landmark. I was like, how can you say such a thing, you know, if you sell, just to sell an apartment, lie to people, you know? So I think it's just like you, you just talk to them as a friend, you know, you give them your opinion and be realistic. 
I think you raise a very interesting point, and this apartment has a wonderful view. How concerned are people that their views can eventually be obstructed? Are they aware that they can be with buildings that can go up around them? So, listen, it's, it's New York City, and it's very important, you know, when you are buying a property that does have a view, that you do your proper due diligence um, before signing the contract for that apartment. You know, there's, there's, there's information that can be readily available to buyers, um, but they, they will need to research. And, um, you know, listen, unless your building is on the water, the, where the only thing between you and the water is a highway, yes, likely you're not going to have a view eventually that will be obstructed. But, you know, listen, unless you are in a landmark district um, where you have confirmed or your attorney has confirmed that, you know, a building across the street can't be built higher than, you know, a certain amount of floors that won't, it, it could very well be possible. So it's very important if you have a view to do your due diligence um, and understand what the zoning laws are for that neighborhood and to see if anything could possibly be built to obstruct your view. It's very important. Jared, how would you describe your approach to working with clients? So, you know, similar to Guto, you know, and I think that's why we work well together. You know, Guto and I have a very relationship-based um, approach to working with our clients. You know, I think one of the most fundamental things um, when working with a client is building their trust. And, you know, we, it's very important for us to establish uh, our trust and a rapport with our clientele. Because once you gain your client's trust, they really will look to you um, for your opinion. And to us, that's very important. And, and we almost always, you know, establish that rapport prior to moving forward with somebody. Um, because then you just have a very open working relationship where your client can feel comfortable, you know, asking your opinion and, and really listening to your, to your uh, responses. And that's really the only way you can be effective. You know, if, if you don't have that trust and rapport with your clients from the, from the beginning, you know, you're going to have a very hard time having a successful result. As a real estate agent or a broker in New York City, is it very difficult to break into the high-end market? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, in order to get your real estate license in New York City and, and, and also anywhere, it, it's not extremely difficult. You know, for most careers, you know, you have to go to a four-year um, undergrad, sometimes get a master's or a Ph.D. You know, in real estate, it's, it's not overly difficult. You know, you have to take a course and you have to take a test, which, is, again, isn't too difficult if you study a little bit. And so for that reason, a lot of people get into the business. I mean, Guto and I are approached by, you know, younger junior agents who are just getting into the business and looking to break into it. And it's challenging because, as you can imagine, it's New York City real estate and it's highly, highly competitive. You know, it's definitely one of those businesses where probably the top 10% of agents do 90% of the business. You know, and so if you want to break into that, you know, you have to be prepared to be extremely competitive um, but ultimately, you know, what we find is that it comes down to whoever your network is. You know, you could know everything about every building in New York City, about all the new projects going up and, and uh, every, every new listing that's coming on the market each day. But if you don't have the clientele, you know, who you can then turn to and share this information with and then who will buy an apartment, then, you know, your, your information doesn't get you very far. Um, so... One of the most important things that I always tell new agents is really figuring out, you know, who your niche market is going to be, you know, to buy the apartments in New York City. Because without that, you know, you, you, you'll have a really hard time breaking into the business. I think, you know, Jerry pretty much covered uh, a lot of it. And, you know, one more thing to 
uh, to make like clear and people to understand like every time you're working with an agent with a broker uh, make sure that they are honest people uh, a lot of them are uh, you know in New York City people that we know that do the same same type of business uh, that we do but some of them just just tell you crazy things you know make sure you do research make sure that you know, the building across the street is not going to block your view or you're not losing this or you're not losing that, you know. so Have a checklist, essentially, huh? Yes, yes, for sure. You have to become a real estate yourself when you're buying an apartment. You have to be educated, you know. And if you have a, a, a an agent who wants you to learn, because some people don't want to, they just want you to sign the contract without knowing anything. And they're like, oh, my God, I thought this was, you know, marble or whatever, you know. So there's a, there are things that are important for a buyer or a seller to know, you know. Are you noticing any particular unique trends right now in the New York City real estate market? I mean, again, as we touched on before, you know, amenities, um, you know, something that also, you know, is something, something that's intriguing to buyers are buildings that are built by Starkitects. What a Starkitect is is a famous architect, you know, and so... You know, whenever a name architect is building a building, it, it's a draw. You know, it's almost like buying a piece of art. So, for instance, Zaha Hadid, you know, who sadly passed um, a couple of years ago, you know, she had built one of her first and only uh, residential buildings in northern Chelsea. And, you know, just a, a building like that where you can say you own an apartment that was built by Zaha Hadid or designed by Zaha Hadid, you know, things like that, you know, also are a draw. Rem Cool House is building one of his, his, his uh, architect firm, OMA, is building their first um, condominium in Flatiron right now at 121 East 22nd Street. And so those kind of things, you know, the, the, the beautiful designs by these famous architects is also something that uh, people who are looking are drawn to. How much does that impact the value of the well, apartment? And that's the thing, you know, because they are paying a very, very expensive architect. They're using the top-of-the-line materials, so the prices are really, you know, a lot. There's a new development now on 11th Street, uh, 11th Avenue by the water in West Chelsea. Uh, this, the price per square feet, it's uh, 3500 and up. So that's where prices are going. And sometimes a two-bedroom, $10 million, and, you know, and you're paying for you know, the quality of it. But you, like, you, like Jerry was saying, you, you're buying not only a property, you're buying a piece of art. What are we seeing overall in terms of prices? Are they going up? Are they staying flat? Are they declining? So, you know, that's a question that we get asked a lot. I think that, you know, we, we have seen, I would say, a correction in the market. There was a period a few years ago where it was very much a seller's market. You know, there was a lot of pent-up demand from people not really transacting after the recession. And so after that pent-up demand, you know, was sort of released, you know, there was a lot of buying, and prices really started to inflate. And, you know, as that pent-up demand started to die down, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of a correction. You know, the economy has, has gone through some changes in the last year, um, you know, of course, there's the tax reform um, that's had a little bit of an effect on people's um, willingness to pay prices that maybe they would have two years ago. Interest rates have been, you know, creeping up a little bit this year. And so buyers today are, we're finding, are a little bit more price sensitive than maybe they were 
you know, a year to go. But, you know, I have to say, with that said, it's New York City. And so apartments that are in desirable buildings that are priced well, um, that are really nice apartments with nice views, you know, there's still, there's still a high demand. You know, we, we have two listings right now um, which fit that category where they're uh, in great buildings, they're nicely renovated, uh, and, and we sold them, and, and they're high price points. They're both over $4 million. And we sold them both in about three weeks. So, you know, it's it's you know even with everything going on, there's still a very strong demand. Um, but yes, there's been a slight correction over the last, I would say, year or so. Who is buying these multi-million-dollar apartments? Are they largely people living here in the city, or people coming in from outside of the city? A combination. Is there a trend there? More people coming in from different places to find a home here in New York? Yeah, I guess it's a mix of everything. Uh, New York, it's. I always say New York is not, it's it's the capital of the world. There's people from every country here, every culture, and perhaps, like, you know, different needs. Uh, these apartments that we were just that just listed now, they're, like, couples are, like, 30, 30 years old. And they go, like, you know, they're so young. How, how come they have all this money? Uh, so perhaps it's for them to, to move in with the kids. Some people are looking just as a petitaire to come for the weekends or once or twice a month. So in New York, you do get everything. You know, it's, it's vast. Do you guys also sell outside of New York City? A lot of New Yorkers like to get away to the Hamptons, other places. You know, we have such a strong presence in Manhattan that that really, when I say Manhattan, I say New York City, you know, because that really is our area of expertise um, you know, we sell primarily outside Manhattan. We also have done several deals in Brooklyn, and we've even had some listings in Long Island City, which is in Queens. Um, but you know, when when we, we we have partnerships with agents, you know, in the Hamptons at Compass, um, as well as in other major cities throughout the country, where you know we we find that you know our specialty is here um, in New York City, and we can service our clients above and beyond with our expertise. Um, which is very important. You know, you can buy something in a neighborhood, let's say the Upper East Side. There's a huge difference between something you might buy on one street versus something that you might buy three streets over, even though they're in the same zip code. Um, but as, you know, as a, as a buyer, you might not realize how, you know, what the differences might be. So it's important to have somebody who really knows the ins and outs of, you know, the area they're selling. And so, you know, when it comes to other areas like the Hamptons, you know, our partners, our colleagues there, you know, who specialize in those areas are going to be able to service them better. And so we partner up with these people and we, and we give them the best service that we can provide. What neighborhoods are most popular right now here in New York City? Where's the demand greatest? Uh, a lot of people who are like truly New Yorkers or have been living here for at least five years, I would say that they want to be downtown because they think that's where a lot of like new restaurants are, you know, opening up and bars and hotels. Uh, a little more conservative would be the Upper East Side or Upper West. Upper East Side has been uh, changing a lot after the Q train opened. So you see like more younger people. There's a lot of co-ops there as well, which makes it a little harder for, you know, younger couples to get approved. But I would say downtown, anything below 23rd Street uh, to Soho and Tribeca. Tribeca is the, the neighborhood that sells the most uh, in New York City. Also because every apartment there is huge. You, the, the buildings used to be warehouses. You know, yeah, you so, have great lofts yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, amazing. You know, so 
the price point is a little different, but also you get a different space. The closer you are to a subway, the more your apartment is going to cost you. Yeah,、uh, not necessarily, but it's it's one it you know. People mark their items. The subway is closed. You know the building has this. I have this view. So it's a list of things. You know, there's a lot of people that live by the water in apartments that cost thirty million dollars that are far from the subway. But you're getting a lot of other stuff. You know that you wouldn't get if you were close to the A train, which is the closest closest to the river on Eighth Avenue. You know. So walk me through the day of an agent. You get a listing. You walk into an apartment like this. What are you looking for first? So okay, so I would say a typical day for an agent is that you expect to work twenty four seven because cell phones always on. <laughs> your cell phones always on. Your clients are awake at all hours, and they think you are too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>、um, but you know, being a real estate agent is anything but you know a nine to five job. Um, you know, you have to remember, your clients work usually full-time jobs, and so they're able to focus on real estate on their off times. And so sometimes that can be some of the odd hours of the day. So it's very common for me to wake up at you know eight in the morning and already have emails from a bunch of my clients,、um, you know, who are you know have questions. And so you know, real estate. The one thing I think Guto and I both really like about real estate too is that every day is different. You know, it's certainly not the kind of job where you what you go to your office every day and you do your routine and you go home. You know, depending on what active listings we have at that time, what buyers we're working with at that time, you know, we could be in any part of the city on any given day or you know multiple parts of the city, and, and that's what makes it makes it exciting. Um, you know, we've really gotten to know the city very, very well. You know, by just showing properties throughout it, and it's fun. You know, and it's, it's exciting, and it's something that you know is one of the things we like the best about it. Augusto, when you get a listing and you walk into an apartment, are you looking for anything in particular? Are you jotting anything down? How do you go about that process? If we're meeting a client and we're about to, you know, list a new apartment, it's very important to take a look around and see what was done. And because prices change dramatically in the same building and perhaps the same apartment, like a floor below, how much money did he put in it? You know where? Because maybe a floor lower, there's a building here blocking the view, and here it doesn't. So you have to, you know, really write down and take the notes of the the positives of this apartment and what perhaps has changed. You know. So I think that's the first thing you really like, you know, trying to see everything. And, and believe me, we see things that the owners don't because we do this for a living. And when we tell them, listen, you have to change it, move the table. It's like what the table has to do with. But believe me, when people walk in and they see something, oh, it's narrow. It's not really narrow. It's like the way they style the apartment. It's sort of blocking a little, you know, just as simple as that. And of course, it goes on and on and on. So we're pretty much looking to fix、uh, and and you know and to also showcase the, the great things that the apartment has. That's what we would call staging, right? Making sure the apartment looks its best. Exactly. Yeah, and so you know, so Guto touched a little bit upon it, but it's very important that if necessary, you know, you do properly stage the apartment. You know, at the end of the day, you're you're selling the apartment. You're selling the space. You're selling the views. You're selling the finishes of the bathrooms and the kitchen, 
And so that's what you want people's eyes to be drawn to, and that's where you want the attention to be. And so, you know, sometimes we do find that some of our clients have a very specific taste. You know, maybe they have a very traditional taste. And so sometimes their traditional furniture might not necessarily match the very beautiful modern kitchen and bathroom, you know, that they've put in. And so sometimes... You know, we'll speak with our owners and we'll make the decision to actually remove the furniture and, and just put in more modern, simple furniture that will not catch the buyer's eyes. We don't want our buyers to we don't want the buyers to walk in and instantly be drawn to furniture, you know, and maybe that furniture is not their taste and they say, well, you know what, this apartment's probably not for me, it's for somebody like this. And so you never want furniture you know, to sway a buyer's perception. So you always want to keep it simple and clean and sort of match the aesthetic of the rest of the apartment. And, and, and this is something you learn a little, not in the beginning of the game, because you would think that this will never be an issue. But after when you see this happening over and over, said, I can't believe they're talking about the furniture. They're not buying the furniture. That's when you realize that this has to be done. Some people just don't have vision or they, you know, they come and look, they're squared and you have to be able to, you know, uh, make it comfortable for everyone. You know, I would think that paint could also be oh. an issue. People come in, I don't like the color of the walls. It's just paint people. You yeah. can change it. Uh, you, you would be, you would be shocked what a fresh coat of white paint and in and even sometimes we'll even recommend sand you know sometimes people you know they'll they'll put no, new hardwood floors down when they move in an apartment but they they live there 8 years and so the the there's scuff marks and there's you know the the floors can be a little worn down you would be shocked what just sanding and staining floors and painting the walls white can do to an apartment and the perception of the newness of the apartment to a potential buyer. Augusto, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Jared, thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Augusto Bittencourt and Jared Barnett are real estate agents in Manhattan. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. 